Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Dan Mackett. My wife Alyssa and I have been coming to Delray for about four and a half years now, uh, and it's a it's an honor uh, to be uh, teaching on evangelism while traveling uh, today. So fitting. Some of us may have traveled this week, and with the uh, with Christmas on the horizon, uh, the Lord may be calling us to travel, and so it's helpful that we think uh, and pray about these things so that we might be found faithful when He opens those doors. Uh, it's always convicting to uh, prepare a talk on evangelism because the Lord uses it to expose uh, where my own heart is at, and so uh, this is a mutual learning for us all, and something we want to uh, pray and strive to be more faithful in together. Well, uh, let's just center our, well, let me go over the overview real quick. So um, we're going to first talk about God's sovereignty and purpose in our travels. Um, and then we're going to talk about snares that prevent us from evangelizing while traveling. And that, it's not going to be an all-encompassing list, but I think it two, two mindsets, uh, the vacation mindset. Many of us travel for vacation or we travel for work. And so what are snares within those mindsets that might prevent us from actually being faithful in evangelism? And then just some suggestions at the end, and then we'll have time uh, to even just share examples of how the Lord has worked in our own travels that we might uh, take cues from one another. Um, so we're going to center ourselves uh, uh, on Matthew 28, 16 through 18, the Great Commission, just to give context for uh, uh, talking about traveling today. So Matthew 28, 16 through 18, uh, feel free to turn there um, in, your, in your copy of God's Word. But it says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So Jesus expects and commands his people to make disciples in all places, at all times, to every person he puts in our path. Now this is going to look different in different ways, but the command is, make disciples each and every day in your life. We don't, we don't get to take breaks from this command. So necessarily, this includes our times of travel, whether it's for work or leisure, for missions, for whatever purpose that travel may be. And it's a tremendous privilege and honor that we get to always be sharing about the best news in history, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And so we need to take seriously this command, even in our travels. Um, So our main point uh, for today is this, intentionally pray for and seek out opportunities to evangelize the people God sovereignly puts God sovereignly places around you in your travels. So pray for, seek out opportunities to evangelize those people God sovereignly puts in your path. Um, so we're first going to talk about God's sovereignty and purpose in our travels. So what I want to do is actually uh, just go through. I think it's it's five passages that really highlight God's sovereignty in every aspect of our lives to help paint a picture that there's no day that um, God is not sovereign over, there's no situation that God's not sovereign over, and that necessarily means that the people that he's put around us is not just by chance or accident. Yeah, by accident. Like The Lord is always working towards uh, his good and precious purposes, which is his glory and are good. And so I want to walk through these passages. So we'll just take one one by one. So let's all turn to Proverbs 16 uh, verses 9. So Proverbs 16, 9. And if, uh, Chadwick, if you want to read that uh, once, you, once you turn there. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Thanks, brother. 
So a great temptation for the Christian is to begin believing that we have control over our plans and control over our schedule in our days. It's easy for us to plan, prepare, and schedule as though the Lord couldn't possibly care about every detail and every minute of our lives. And I think this is especially true as it relates to our travels. We live in a society where regular travel is more accessible than ever, more common than ever, and to some extent more expected than ever. I mean, uh, moving to the DMV, uh, I've been asked so many times, any trips or travels planned uh, for the upcoming year? Like, I feel like I'm asked that question all, all, all the time. We live in a travel-hungry, vacation-expected society. And if we're not careful, it will be easiest to, for us to view our travels as if they are for us, planned by us, and that we get to do whatever we want on them. But for the Christian, every day of our lives has been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus, our Savior. And so each minute should be spent in submission to him and intentionally spent pursuing his glory. So this includes our travels. So as as we travel, our call is to make disciples of all nations. Fundamentally, that is the most true reality and that command of any travel that we may embark on. We are his disciples and we are to be making disciples no matter where we are in the world. Now, this is going to look different in different ways on different trips, uh, depending where we're going and a slew of other factors. But... The heart posture needs to be right. Our travels are for the glory of God and for his disciple-making purposes in our lives. So we don't want to neglect that just saying, okay, we're going to plan and we're going to do this. We need to be open that, yes, we're going to plan and we're going to prepare, but the Lord establishes our steps. And part of what that means for the Lord to establish our steps is to be open-handed and said, Lord, how might you use this trip, this thing that I have planned for your glory, so that you might help me make disciples of all nations? So an incredibly important truth for us to consider is this, that God sovereignly places you next to specific people in your travels. He places us next to specific people in our travels. This could be the person sitting next to you on your flight. You may think it's a random uh, uh, algorithm that chooses that, or you get to choose it, or if you're Southwest, that person just randomly, it's the open seat next to you, but that is not random. That is an opportunity uh, to build a relationship and potentially share Christ with them. The hotel concierge, when you check in and when you uh, have questions. Uh, the waiter or wait- waitress, when you uh, go out to eat. Your coworkers, if you're going on a work trip. None of those people are just random image bearers that you're sitting next to. They need to know the saving love of Jesus, and God has put you in their path. Let's look at Ephesians 2.10. So let's turn to Ephesians 2.10, and if somebody wants to volunteer, read that. Thanks, Brittany. God prepared beforehand good works for us to do. We do not prepare them. God sovereignly prepares them, and he enables us to walk into them. So this is like an extension almost of Proverbs 16 of like, we may plan, but God is the one orchestrating things so that he may open doors for us to do good works. And this very much, these good works very much include people that he's placed in our path to disciple and to proclaim the gospel to. And so let's, let's take encouragement from this, that God is sovereignly preparing beforehand people that he's going to put in our path that he wants them to know the saving love of Jesus that he has so graciously given us. All right, let's look at Acts 17, 24 through 27. Acts 17, 24 through 27, if someone could read that. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of 
dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, or does he need anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before the appointed, and the bounds of their habitation. If they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Thank you. Did you catch that? Uh, I think it's in verse 26 or 27. I don't have it numbered. But God determines allotted periods and boundaries for man's dwelling place. So God puts people in the place for his purposes. Um, he is, uh, God is sovereignly orchestrating all things for his glory that they should seek God. And so in our travels, when he puts us next to specific people, part of that purpose is for us to help them feel their way towards him, as, as the verse says. We want to be people that actually help them seek God and understand how actually God may be found, and that it's only through Jesus Christ. And so this, this, this includes the person sitting next to us uh, in, on the plane. And I think what's even uh, uh, more helpful in this passage is the context of which it, it's written. So Paul is a phenomenal, phenomenal example of understanding that there are no accidents, that wherever the Lord places him and takes him to different places all over the earth, uh, it's an opportunity for him to proclaim the gospel to the people that he's he's right next to. So earlier in, earlier in the chapter, Paul preached Christ to uh, uh, preached Christ in Thessalonica and faced extreme opposition. So as a result, uh, he was forced to flee to Berea where he continued to preach Christ. Uh, It says, In Berea, they met Jews who were more noble than in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. So Paul viewed persecution as an expected part of God's sovereign plan so that he might preach Christ to more people. He didn't leave Thessalonica and kind of shelter in and and try to regroup and strategize of what went wrong in Thessalonica. No, he he viewed it as, okay, now there's people in in Berea, that I need to preach the word to. And God used that. So not only did he get to preach Christ in Thessalonica, then God sent him to Berea, and the word fell on eager hearts. And so uh, if Paul had just uh, took that <laughs> that misnomer in his travels, or he thought he was going to be in Thessalonica, and because he didn't get to stay there long enough, he could have backed down and not preached Christ, but he knew that God had sovereignly orchestrated that in such a way where the Bereans needed to hear the word. And so if you read through Acts, that happens time and time again of Paul planning and, and, and even desiring to go to certain places, but him being submissive to the Spirit, to listening to God, um, and, then, and then taking every opportunity that he gets uh, for the people that God has put in his place. Let's look at John 4, 4 through 7. John 4, 4 through 7. And I'll read this one. I'll give you a second to get there. John 4, 4 through 7. It says this, and he had to pass. So, and he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. So he came. Uh, he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. So, context of this passage, it says Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Well, actually, this was not the regular for the Jewish traveler. They would intentionally go around Samaria because they didn't want any interactions with Samaritans. But Jesus, having perfect fellowship with the Father, knew that there were specific people he needed to preach the gospel to on his travels. Therefore, he knew he had to go through Samaria. 
And I think what's even more significant is that at the least expected time to run into someone at a well, which was in the heat of the day, you would went early in the morning or late at night, he encounters this specific Samaritan woman. And we're not going to read the whole account, but Jesus goes on to share the gospel with her. Uh, and then it spirals into her hometown hearing about the man who told me everything I did. So Jesus, having fellowship with the Father, knew that the Father called him to go through Samaria and at the least expected time encounters this woman uh, that he was able to share the gospel with so that a whole town heard the gospel. Jesus was present with the Father and took advantage of every opportunity on his travels. This wasn't an accident. It was a pre-planned, sovereignly guided encounter by God for his glory. Now, our, our travels are going to look slightly different than, than Jesus's did, but the posture is still the same. We want to have fellowship with the Father. We want to be listening to him. We want to ask him to open our eyes to see who are those people that he sovereignly put in our path that we might share the gospel with. And lastly, let's, let's look at Psalm 139.16. So Psalm 139, 16, it says this, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God has written every day of our lives. No day is wasted. Each one has a specific purpose. Are we prayerful, that, or are we prayerful about how we might use that day for his glory? Do we view the day as his rather than ours? So I hope, I hope these verses just help, help show uh, and really praise God for his sovereignty. We serve a sovereign, good, wise God who plans our days and prepares good works for us to do. And part of those good works is for us to share the gospel with people from every tribe, language, uh, and tongue. Uh, so that he might draw all peoples to himself, so that one day we might worship uh, with all nations before his throne, uh, singing holy, holy, holy together. So that, that, is, that is the purpose and the aim of our travel, that we have a sovereign God who sovereignly puts people in our path, that he might open a door uh, for us to share the gospel with him, so that all people from every tribe, language, and tongue might worship him. So when we travel, we are called to make disciples. And God, in his kind, wise, sovereign plan, has, specific, has planned specific people for us to minister to in our travels. And it's going to look different in different ways, and we'll get into that. But we must be ready and equipped to make disciples in our travels. And I think a helpful way, a helpful next step in thinking about evangelizing in our travels is to uh, expose the snares or the heart temptations that prevent us from evangelizing. So sovereignty, now we're going to move into snares. Snares that prevent us from evangelizing while traveling. Um, now, there's other reasons for why uh, we may travel, but I think the two primary ones in our day are we're going to take a vacation, so we're going to go to a specific place and unplug there, or we're going to travel for work. So we're going to go on vacation, and including in that, I'm going to say visiting family or visiting friends. That's, that's vacation. That's out of your norm for <laughs> a specific period of rest and then work travel. So what is particularly uh, tempting um, about the vacation mindset? Well, if you're like me, I, it can be tempting to view vacation as my time. I deserve this next week off. I need this next week off. And when we believe that we deserve our vacations, we believe we get to spend the time as we please. And this can easily create a mindset of being self-focused. This, this is my time to be spent my way. And if this is our posture in our vacations, 
um, uh, we, we will fall into two snares. Uh, there's probably more, but for the, for the purposes of <laughs> this talk, we'll talk about two snares. Snare one, we will be blind to the people God has placed around us. If we have this, my vacation, my time, I get to choose perspective because it's vacation, we will be blind to the people God has placed around us. We won't be wearing our great commission lenses, if you will. If our mindset is focused on us and our rest, we won't likely even notice the people that God has placed around us. We won't see people as spiritual beings in need of the gospel. Rather, we may be tempted to see people as people to serve us in our mission of rest that week. Ah, oh, the flight attendants are just here to serve me. Ah, oh, the, the waiter or waitress is just here to serve me. Like, I need rest. This is what I'm, I'm going to do this next week. We, won't, we might not see the disheartened or discouraged look on the waiter or waitress's face and ask how we can pray for them. We won't take the time to see uh, the concierge at the front desk of the hotel and waste uh, and asking them to uh, have conversation and, and asking them intentional questions. We might not engage with the family sitting next to us on the beach because, ah, they're just on vacation. They don't want to talk to us. So we'll be blind to see uh, the people that God has placed around us. Snare number two, we'll be tempted to make excuses as to why we don't need to engage in spiritual conversations with that person. I think a vacation mindset uh, all the more enhances our excuses for why we cannot share the gospel on vacation. Uh, the human heart is great at finding excuses, uh, finding ways to excuse ourselves of the commands of God. So let's just think about a few, and then let's think about how uh, the gospel would, would redirect our hearts otherwise. Uh, um, excuse number one, I'm supposed to be resting. What if this turns into a long conversation? The person sitting next to you on the plane, I'm tired, traveling is exhausting, and I'm saying that from a posture of I hate flying and so I'm exhausted when I'm traveling. Uh, I've, I've used this excuse many times, like I just need to rest, I need to sleep on the plane. I don't want this to turn into a long conversation. Well, here's the reality. Our soul will actually be more nourished proclaiming Christ to a non-believer than just taking a nap on that plane. God can use a long conversation on vacation with a non-believer to remind you of his grace to remind you of his spirit's presence and power in you and to remind you of the sweetness of the gospel. So yes, you may be, uh, your aim is to rest on that vacation, but what you really need is soul rest. And one of the, one of the ways I've experienced it is actually when God opens a door for me to share the gospel, it all the more uh, encourage my, encourages my soul in Christ uh, and seeing his power working in and through me. Uh, 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 excuse number two, no one wants a tourist or vacationer sharing the gospel with them. We're outsiders. We're not supposed to be in this place. Why would we share the gospel with these people? Well, true, <laughs> people don't necessarily want that, but you also didn't want somebody sharing the gospel with you before you knew Christ. Uh, God alone changes stubborn, blind hearts through the preaching of his word. So yes, they probably don't want you sharing the gospel with them, but they need to hear the gospel. And so uh, we need to be all the more bold in proclaiming the gospel to them. Excuse number three, I'm sure a local person will share the gospel with them. They've got it. There's good churches in this area. They should have shared the gospel with them by now. At best, maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe somebody has already shared the gospel with them. But what we know for sure is that God has put them in front of you right now out of his sovereign plans. And what if there are no good lo local churches in the area? Let's not take that risk. Let's be bold and share the gospel with them. Uh, the last excuse, and then I'll open it up to uh, your, your thoughts if you guys uh, have personally experienced other excuses. Uh, fourth, this person doesn't want to be bothered, just like I don't want to be bothered on this trip. 
Well, again, true. You, you don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be bothered. But unless they hear the good news of the gospel and repent and believe it, they will be in a much worse scenario in eternity than being bothered by you on a trip. So I think we need to right-size people's responses to the gospel being shared to them or the inconvenience or the bothering that we might cause them because it's far worse for them to not hear the gospel and believe it than it is for us to bother them on a plane. Um, any other thoughts or excuses that uh, you've, owned, uh, you've, you've experienced, Chadwick? Uh, one primary one that I encounter is my little conversation. Is that really going to have any mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. the cashier? Mm-hmm. Risk of that leading anywhere is just inconvenience mm. on everybody versus recognizing the cost is so low to have that conversation mm. to ask how to pray. Mm. And the reward of that engagement can be so much so yeah. great. Yeah, that's good. And our job is to scatter seeds. Yeah, scatter gospel seeds. Yeah, that's good. This is Brittany. not necessarily related to me, but just so you know, when you think that in your head, mm-hmm. um, there were a couple times uh, in the last couple years that randomly people would approach me and, and I was just like, this is the weirdest way, like in a parking lot or just like in the weirdest places where you wouldn't mm-hmm. expect someone to have a gospel conversation with you, that they did have this gospel conversation with me and that they did ask to pray for me and... Of course, because I know in my heart that I needed God, but I was just kind of like being distant that I allowed them to pray for me, and I'll never forget those times. Mm. So just that's good. Forget that part. Nice for sharing, sister. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, Anthony. What about if, let's say, you're on a family vacation and your intention, you know, is to spend time with family, and it might seem like you're neglecting your kids or spouse mm-hmm. to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. People. Yeah. What is your thought? How should you think through like spending adequate time with family? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I, I, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But you know, I think I think part of it is the heart posture of saying I'm only going to spend time with family on this trip, rather than prayerfully say, Lord, this day is yours. If there's somebody that you want me to talk to, make it clear, spur on my spirit to asking the right questions so that that conversation may be open. So I think we first want to just recognize, okay, this day is the Lord's and we should be asking for opportunities to share the gospel and we should be asking for him to lead us. And there are times when uh, he might not make it explicitly clear, but he'll he'll be nudging you. Uh, the spirit will be nudging you like, you need to talk to this person. You need to ask them this question. I also think it's an opportunity for the family to uh, evangelize together. And so you're sitting next if you're spending time with your family at a playground or on a beach or in the mountains on a hike and you encounter another family engage that family in conversation together uh that's a way to teach your kids that's a way for you and your spouse to evangelize together and if you have non-believing family now they're also hearing the gospel again and it's not being necessarily preached to them which hopefully you've preached to them before but now they're seeing you live that out to somebody else as well, which I think God could use uh, even in their own hearts. Um, or if you have family who don't take evangelism seriously, it actually might be better for them to see you proactively evangelizing um, and be spurred on towards that and have conversations afterwards. So I think it's a, it's a posture first of, Lord, how might, you do, uh, how might you use this trip? And then t- to your point, like we're not gonna, when we travel, every person that we see in the airport, we're not going to share the gospel with. Maybe he'll call us to get up on a chair and preach. Who knows? Uh, I think it's being more, it's being more attentive uh, to, the, to the people that a quick conversation might, might be sparked. Like, you can quickly tell if somebody's not, do, like, not doing well or um, even like if, uh, 
I can tell pretty quickly if a waiter or waitress is pretty stressed. Like it's super busy in there or you could just tell they're having a bad day. It would be better for me to ask that person, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything that our family can pray for before we sit down and have our meal together? Who knows what the Lord might do? And maybe that, you know, you're probably not going to have a long conversation because he or she's other tables to serve. But if we just have the posture of, ah, she's busy. She doesn't, you know, need to hear this. I don't want to get caught up in this conversation. It's supposed to be having family time. I think we're missing out on an opportunity. Does that make sense? I wish I could tell you uh, which conversations they have and which not, but I think it is, it's a heart posture first and foremost. Krista? Um, so this just goes back to the one of I need to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm, he was from his that's journey, good. Yeah. But he still had the conversation because he could yep. have easily been like, I need to rest. Yeah. Like, I think we legitimately need to rest. Yeah. Uh, and that's not the only example in the Gospels. Where yeah, the feeding like, of the 5,000. Yeah, he was yep. exhausted. Yep. He was actually trying to get away. And so, like, I think God will give us strength for the things that he calls us to. Yeah. We don't necessarily need to, like, wear ourselves out to the point of not being useful. Totally. Totally. That's really good. Yeah. Yep. Jesus was tired and yet the Lord used him in that moment. And all the more his that show that's an example of his power being made perfect uh, in our weakness, in our physical weakness. And just to clarify, you know, God in his magnificent kindness does give rest to his people. He calls us to Sabbath, he calls us to take intentional breaks, to take intentional times of celebration. And one of the ways he does that is through intentional time away of the normal stressors of life. But vacation isn't earned, it's not deserved, it's sheer grace. And because it's sheer grace from God, our heart should always be thankful of his grace and ready to, be, ready to tell others of his grace, even when we're on vacation. And so we should first and foremost thank God that he's giving us a chance to be on vacation, that it's only by his grace that he's opened the doors, he's provided the money, he's provided the means of travel, of having a job that lets you take off. Um, and then that should propel us to be like, all right, Lord, uh, you, you plan, uh, you establish my steps. If there are people that you want to open a door for us to share the gospel with, my time is yours, my heart is yours, make it clear, um, and let's be found faithful in that. So, any other thoughts on the vacation mindset? Mm-hmm. And some people are like, 
oh wow, like good for you. Or some people are like, oh, don't be brainwashed. And you know, they have like different hmm. um, thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, but with her, I just, I didn't even share much. Um, I know just that I was, you know, recently going to church and it's really been helping me hmm. um, to get through the hard times that I'm getting, like going through or whatever. And she was just so thankful um, that I even mentioned it hmm. because she also recently started to going to church and she was, you know, like, unsure or just like having trouble like getting through some of it understanding some of it what do i believe mm. type of question yeah um but just the fact that i said like i'm going and consistently going is helping me that it like made her feel like i'm going to consistently like let me be consistent mm. um and it will help and then a couple weeks later the weekend i was getting baptized she texted me like that i was just on her mind mm. and that she was praying for me and i was just really blown away by that because mm. it was so small right mm. i didn't think it would make a difference yeah. No, thanks for sharing, sister. Yeah, I mean, you were intentional to say, yeah, like that is what God is doing in your life right now. And God used that to spark a conversation. And I even think to some extent back to Anthony's question of, I think there are questions we can ask to people that we encounter on our travels that will quickly um, expose how they're doing uh, to some extent. And then also our responses, if we're intentional with our responses of, uh, you know, how we're actually doing or what God's doing in our life or why we're thankful or blessed that day, uh, um, the Lord might use that to, to spark conversation. And people will sometimes shut shut that down really quickly, and that's probably not an open door, uh, or it'll open new doors, or they'll ask a question, or you'll know the next question to ask, and the Lord might use that in that conversation. So, well, let's think about the work mindset. So not everybody's going to travel uh, because of their work, but I do know uh, there are many people at this church who do. Um, and so I think uh, a snare for the cr- Christian in the workplace while traveling is to view your workplace as off-limits for evangelism. We can easily convince ourselves that my work doesn't permit me to share my faith or I'm paid by the company to do this specific task and that doesn't include the evangelism of my colleagues um, or even I may lose my job if I share the gospel with someone at work. Um, if we buy into these mindsets, we will neglect our primary job uh, pr- our primary job title in our workplaces, which is an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. More than any other uh, earthly company-specific job title, whether it's program manager or CEO or barista, uh, your first and foremost job title is that you're an ambassador of Jesus. Uh, you're called to show gospel fruit, uh, show the Spirit's work in your life, as well as proclaim the gospel truth to your colleagues. And yes, you may get fired. Yes, your company may forbid it. But God has put you in that job around specific people uh, to show what he's doing in your life and also to take advantage of opportunities to actually share the gospel with them. So we want to remember that first and foremost, we're an ambassador. If we view our workplaces as off-limits for evangelism, we will miss out on the great opportunity to share the gospel with our colleagues during work travel. When you, when you travel for work, there are numerous opportunities to have meaningful conversations with your colleagues that you probably normally don't get that chance to have. Uh, you're going to be eating meals with your coworkers or your clients a couple times a day. You're going to be sitting in an airport for hours right next to your coworker. You're going to be driving to your meetings together. These are all amazing natural environments to share your story, to talk about Christ, to ask them intentional questions about their family, how they're doing, their background. Um, but if we view... Uh, if we view work as off-limits, and so that trip is off-limits, we're not going to have those spiritual glasses, Great Commission lenses, if you will, to, to actually engage in those, those conversations. 
And if we're not actively praying for and desiring opportunities to share the gospel with our colleagues, we're going to miss out on opportunities for evangelism on those trips. You're going to be tempted to only talk about work things or surface level things. Keep the status quo, just, you know, get the job done on this on this work trip and get out of there. Uh, and you're going to miss out on the deeper opportunities for spiritual gospel conversations. I think another snare in the workplace, uh, specifically in traveling, is busyness. Uh, typically, work trips are filled uh, uh, and packed full with many things to do. And while we want to be faithful workers and accomplish the purpose of that trip, which our company set us out for, it's not good and it's not wise to think about work and only talk about work 24-7 on the trip. You need breaks and so does your coworker. Um, the more uh, consumed we are by the actual work itself and the busy schedule we have, the more we are likely not to take advantage of opportunities that God gives us to intentionally ask questions and get to know our colleagues. You can be in the car and only talk about work, but is that the most helpful? Maybe uh, in, in specific car rides, but it's actually a great opportunity to you're not in the workplace. You're not. Uh, you're not in the office per se. Ask them questions about their family. Ask them questions about their upbringing. Share your own story. Uh, be intentional about those natural environments that God uh, places you around on your work trips. So, uh, I think it was pre-COVID. So I don't. I don't know when it was, but I had to travel down to Clemson. Uh, to give a talk at, at the university there at, a, at a, uh, one of the campus ministry meetings. Um, and I hadn't really prepared my talk yet. So my natural intention was to get on the plane, put on my headphones, and just work. Uh, crank out on the talk, get down there, be prepared. Um, but quickly, this person sat next to me. I asked a few questions. I don't remember exactly how it went, but we ended up talking the entire time. I got to share the gospel with her many times. She came from a Hindu background. We ended up emailing a few times afterwards. Um, yeah, and that was, that, was, that was God's grace. Like, it could have been really easy for me to just be like, nope, I gotta do this. Like, I gotta prepare my talk right now. But the Lord, by His Spirit, opened my eyes, opened the door for that conversation. And I took, I took advantage of it, and the Lord used that. And I don't, I don't know where she's at right now, but she's heard the gospel by God's grace. Uh, and the talk was given. Maybe it could have been better, but it was still given, and uh, I, was, I, was, I, can, I can confidently say I was still faithful um, uh, you know, in that talk. And so um, if I had been so focused on work and the, and the tasks that I had to do, and I didn't even take the, the chance to ask a few questions at the start of the, uh, at the, start, uh, of the plane ride, would have missed out on this opportunity for this woman to hear the gospel. Uh, and who knows what the Lord is going to do with that. Again, he, he knows. He knows how he's working in her life. Um, but that's just one example of, um, yeah, it would have been tempting for me to view work as off limits, but God in his grace opened my eyes and opened this door for me to share the gospel with, with her on the plane. Thoughts on work mindset or vacation mindset as it relates to snares in our traveling evangelism. Yep. Yeah. Snare one. We will be gl- we will be blind to the people God has placed around us. We won't be wearing our great commission lenses. Yep. So these are just uh, we're going to move into some suggestions. Um, what time is it? Okay. Yep. Uh, and then we'll move into time of Q and A and then pray. But just some suggestions. There are many, and I hope uh, you guys can share even just examples of how the Lord has worked in your own travels, uh, so we can we can learn from one one another. But first and foremost, pray before you travel, and invite others to pray for your travels as well. 
Ask your community group, ask brothers and sisters to pray that the Lord might open doors on that trip. Just as Paul asked um, uh, uh, churches that he was writing to, to to pray that the Lord might open a door for him to uh, proclaim the mystery. We need God to open that door. Like That is a sovereign work that God can do, and and we want to, to ask. We also personally need to pray. Uh, We need God's grace and help to view our travel as opportunities for evangelism. Again, in our flesh, we're going to come up with every excuse not to share the gospel. Therefore, we need the Spirit to help us in our weakness to be faithful ambassadors. So pray before trips, pray during trips, ask God to give you eyes that day of who he's put in your past, what questions to ask, uh, how to engage with people uh, in conversations. Uh, And then uh, when you get back, Uh, Well, before you leave on the trip, ask your community group or whoever you told to to ask you how the trip went and ask if the Lord opened doors. Invite accountability uh, for our travels. And there's going to be trips. Maybe he didn't open the door. Uh, um, Or, you know, uh, we, we, we let fear of man rule and we didn't share the gospel in that moment. But the Lord is gracious even then, and he's faithful and just to forgive us. Um, and so we want to invite accountability so that we can grow uh, and increasingly become more like Jesus in our travels. Uh, secondly, be interruptible and flexible with your agenda. Be interruptible on your travels. Uh, it's easy to be set in stone uh, with the agenda that we have set for that vacation or work trip, um, but uh, we need to be interruptible. Um, because our schedules are not our own. Uh, We must be people who hold our plans and our timelines loosely in order that God might interrupt them with his good plans and purposes that are far greater than ours. So I'm just going to, I'm going to quickly read the parable of the Good Samaritan and give some brief observations about what it looks like to be be, uh, being uh, interruptible on our travels. So the parable of the Good Samaritan, you can follow along. uh, Luke 10, 25 through 37. Luke 10, 25 through 37 says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to them, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So we have three travelers in this story, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. All three of these men had places to be and plans that they wanted to keep. But were they all willing to be interrupted and obedient to the neighbor who God had put in their path? The first two men, which the readers would have seen as the godly men in the story, you'd anticipate to help this man suffering injustice. Uh, But instead, they look at him, they intentionally move to the other side of the road and keep going. Um, They saw that this man needed help, but they kept going. Uh, We see that their spiritual eyes were blind. They were so internally focused on themselves, potentially on their own performance of earning God's favor, that they didn't actually see what the man needed. They did not see their neighbor. 
They were blind to the command to love their neighbor as themselves. Their spiritual blindness made them not be interrupted. They had to do the things of God, uh, not help this poor man who probably in their minds deserved the injustice. Because they themselves had not tasted the sweet mercy of God, they weren't able or willing to extend that mercy to their neighbor. But the other traveler in the parable was interruptible. This was the man a Jewish reader would have uh, seen as least uh, likely to help uh, this man. He was a Samaritan. He was someone that the Jews think did not know the ways of God. But this man seems to have understood the law, uh, the law better than the priest and the Levite did. This Samaritan man had experienced the compassionate, loving mercy of God in such a way that he had eyes to see the suffering man, his suffering neighbor. His spiritual eyes were opened by God to see the man who needed help and was willing to make uh, a sacrifice, uh, a sacrifice uh, with zero expectation of anything in return. He stopped his journey to physically help this man. He took the time to bind up his wounds. Then he put, on him, put him on his own animal and took him to a hotel. And then he basically writes the innkeeper a blank check to take care of the man. The Samaritan was interruptible on his travels. His schedule was not his own. Rather, it was God's schedule for him. And praise God that this Samaritan uh, uh, parable points us to the true and perfect Samaritan, Jesus. Jesus' ministry was filled with interrupted moments. He was faithfully present to the Father and had countless people interrupt his journey. And he met those people with loving, patient, merciful kindness every single time. And infinitely greater than the good of this, uh, than the good uh, Samaritan's blank check to the innkeeper, Jesus gave up his own life and laid his life down for his sheep. Through his sacrificial death in our place, we were given forgiveness, full and final payment for our sins that we committed against him. We don't have a balance to pay, to pay when we check out of the inn, if you will. Jesus paid for it with his blood. We must be interruptible in our travels. We must ask God to give us eyes to see the people whom he sovereignly puts in our path. We must be willing to have our schedules not go as planned if it means we get to love our neighbor and share the gospel with that person. What a great, uh, perfect high priest that we have in Jesus who uh, was the better Samaritan, uh, who points us to, uh, to, to what and how we are supposed to even view our, our travels. Um, lastly, just some tips when flying. Uh, I feel like a lot of us, and this can this can apply to, to work, vacation, going to see family. Uh, flying is a unique opportunity. You're locked in a little box in the air for two to 10 hours uh, on a plane next to specific people who you can engage with. Just some tips that I've found helpful. Number one, start a conversation right away. Like there's that there's that two minute transition moment where people are like frantically trying to find their seats, put their baggage away. They sit down and before they put their headphones in, ask them questions, ask, ask them their name, ask them where they're going. I think there's a lot of low hanging fruit questions uh, that God can use to spark conversations. Hey, I'm Dan, where are you traveling to today? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to Boston. Uh, are you going there or are you coming back from there? depending how they answer. Oh, like, are you from there? Tell me more. Like those two questions, you can learn a lot about that person quickly and uh, where they're from, where they're going, what they're doing, what they do for work. And you can, God can use that to, to actually ask more questions and start down conversation. Or you can share where you're going. Like if they ask you, you know, why are you, why are you going back? To, why are you going to Boston? Oh, my family live there. or I'm visiting these people. Uh, and, and then you can bring, bring Christ into the conversation. Um, so an example of this, we were flying back to Wisconsin in August. And, and just to be clear, I hate flying. I'm, I'm a very anxious traveler. Uh, I'll drive anywhere. I hate flying. So 
when I get in the plane, like, my natural tendency is, like, I'm just going to put on headphones, listen to worship music, and try to get through these, these next two hours. Like, it's only in God's kind power working in me that I even want to spark conversation with the person sitting next to me, because usually my anxiety makes me inward focused. But this guy sits next to us, and it's a Southwest, so he just, he chose to sit there. Uh, and I was like, oh, we're, you know, uh, why are you going to Milwaukee? He's like, oh, I'm going there to, to visit, visit my dad. And I was like, oh, are you, are you from there? And I forget what, what exactly he said, but he's like, I'm actually, my dad's, my dad's in the hospital and he's on his deathbed and, and I'm, uh, I'm going to take care of him and I'm, I'm his only child and my mom passed away a couple of years. And I could just tell, like, I could just see that he was distraught, like he was in a place of sorrow and deep pain. Uh, I could also tell he wasn't really wanting to enter into conversation. And so just felt the spirit leading. Uh, I was like, man, we're about, we're going to, we always pray before we take off. I'd love to just pray for you and your dad right now. Can we pray? And so we prayed right there for him. And then I felt prompted just because I was trying to put myself in his shoes. I'm like, I don't know if I'd want, like, he just didn't seem like in a place where he wanted to share these things. I was like, I probably wouldn't want to talk about this right now and have somebody, uh, have somebody grilling me with these questions about what do you think about life after death when he's in the moment, just like worrying about his dad dying. And so I wrote him a letter, uh, and I handed it to him at the end. I said, uh, I can't remember his name, but hey, brother, uh, you know, I wanted to felt prompted that uh, God wanted me to write this letter to you. And in that letter, I like clearly wrote out the gospel and how uh, I re- you know, was trying to put myself in his shoes when my own grandpa was passing and what that was like for me, but the hope that I had in Christ. And gave him my number in the letter and said, hey, we're going to be praying for you. My parents live in Milwaukee. If you ever need anything while you're there, uh, here's their address. Here's their number. They'd be happy to help out. So I don't know what the Lord did with that, but uh, hopefully he read the letter. Hopefully he read the gospel. He heard the gospel, but at least he knew that there was a Christian who intentionally loved him enough to pray for him to write this letter and and hopefully meet him in this time of need. And that was all because I just asked, where you know, why are you going to Milwaukee? And the Lord used that to open the door. Um, yeah, and then I, I covered this in the example, but pray before takeoff and just ask the person. It's it's really, I mean. You're going you're gonna to have fear of man in that moment like I always do, but just turn to the person and be like, hey, we always pray before takeoff, asking the Lord to protect us and guide us. Is there anything we can pray for you for? Who knows how the Lord might open that door? They may, likely they're going to say, ah, I'm good, or just pray for health and wellness, but the Lord can use that uh, uh, to spark conversation. So, so be proactive in that. Um, any... Yeah, I just stop and pray. I'm like, I'm gonna pray. Feel free to join in, and then listen. I will, mm-hmm. will pray right there, and I'll try to pray the gospel in that prayer, um, if possible. Usually, and Jones, so it's a little chaotic, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I'm tra- if I'm traveling for work, it's just me. Uh, but yeah, and if they're sandwiched in between us, then it's even better. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, not for them, but for us. Yep, Krista. Mm, yeah, that's good. Book, because I got into a conversation with a guy on a plane where he's like, "Oh, what are you reading?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm reading this missionary biography." You know, what are that's you great. reading? Yeah. And so then he was like asking me questions hmm. about like, "Why are you reading that?" And like, that's really the good. The book he was reading just happened to actually have like a reference to a hymn in the front cover. Huh. I happened to know the book. And, like, okay. Anyway, so we got into this great spiritual conversation. So I think if you read a that's really good. Spiritual, yeah. You know, yeah. Read a Christian book or Christian read the Bible. Book, yeah. 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 And the Lord might use that to have the person ask you what you're reading. That's really good. That's really good. Any other thoughts or questions on evangelizing when traveling? 
Well, let me just end with this, that uh, our hope and our prayer is that we, sh- we would intentionally pray for and seek out opportunities to evangelize the people that God sovereignly puts around us in our travels, and that the Lord might use that for His glory, for our good, and so that the gospel might be proclaimed to all nations. So let me pray, and then we're going to break off into uh, two groups and, and pray as well. So, Father, thank you for this time. God, thank you that uh, you have numbered our days, that you sovereignly orchestrate all things, that you put uh, people in their dwelling place and in their boundaries, uh, and you you do long for, for all people to know the saving knowledge of Jesus, and you have commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so, Father, might we not uh, get caught up into the mindset that we deserve vacations and we deserve to just unplug completely and not engage with those around us or uh, not share the gospel with our coworkers on, on trips, uh, but might you make us Uh, spiritually aware of the many opportunities you may give us when we're traveling to proclaim the excellencies of Christ, to uh, shed his blood so that we might be set free from sin uh, and be adopted into your family forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.